It's been two years since the COVID-19 pandemic began, and the box office is finally starting to recover. In December, Spider-Man No Way Home opened to the third highest weekend ever with $260 million. And in March, The Batman opened to $130 million, only the second Hollywood movie to make more than $100 million in a weekend since early 2020. These movies couldn't be more different in tone, but they have one thing in common. They're superhero movies. We've been in the golden era of Marvel and DC for 15 years now. I'm Sean. And I'm Maggie. And we're here to answer the question, how long can the superhero genre last? You're listening to Pop Culture Combos. Welcome to the 15th episode of Pop Culture Combos. I'm one of the new entertainment editors, Maggie Pena. And I'm her co-editor, Sean Scott. Our previous host, David Kwiatkowski, has officially retired from the entertainment section of the Miami Student, so you're stuck with us now. We're so grateful to David for bringing this podcast to life, and we're excited to keep it going. Now, on to the episode. So, Maggie, we're both obviously pretty big Marvel fans, and we've been blessed with three to four movies a year for, what is it, like 10 years now. And I've heard every time a Marvel movie comes out, there's this one box office writer for Forbes who I like. His name is Scott Mendelson, and he does like all their box office reviews. And every time a new superhero movie comes out, whether it's Marvel or DC, he has the same headline for it. And it's whatever the title is. So like Spider-Man No Way Home, superhero fatigues its way to a $260 million opening. Basically the idea that superhero movies, consumers are going to start getting tired of them eventually. And I feel like we haven't really run into that yet. So I was wondering if you have any initial thoughts. I don't know the writer you're talking about, but I don't agree with him per se, because I feel like specifically with Marvel, they've really made it so that there is a projected plan. Eventually, you know, these phases or whatever are going to end, but there's a plan for another and there's a plan for another. So I don't think with Marvel specifically, it's ever going to end. And with DC, it's kind of just always been there, like in the back, in my opinion, because I like Marvel, but it's always kind of been there in the background of Marvel. So, like, we'll keep getting random Batman movies and, like, I don't know, Justice League, that's DC stuff. So, like, we'll keep getting these superhero movies. I I feel like the way that Marvel specifically has marketed its work means that we're not really going to run out of that. What do you think? Well, I think that his point is more that this is a critique that a lot of people make where they're like, oh, you're getting four or five Marvel projects in a year more now that we have the TV shows. So he's kind of poking fun at the idea that it's going to run out, but he's saying, based on the box office, we haven't run into that anytime soon. But I think we're in a really interesting point right now, with Disney Plus specifically, where it's no longer just three or four tentpole movies in a year. Like last year, it wasn't too hard to watch Black Widow and Eternals and Shang-Chi and Spider-Man, but that is four movies. That was fine. But then you add in WandaVision and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki and What If and Hawkeye, and then you're up to nine projects, some of which premiere weekly, and you have to keep up with new content every week. So eventually the question is like, when do you hit the saturation point where people say, I can't keep up with this anymore? And is the interconnectedness kind of hurting it because people feel like, oh, will I understand Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness if I haven't watched WandaVision? 
that's something I've run into. I mean, I haven't had time to watch Hawkeye or Falcon and the Winter Soldier or What If, which I feel like, you know, I don't know because I don't know if they'll be important for Doctor Strange um, and the Menace of the Multiverse. You have a point with these, especially with the weekly ones, which we've talked about before. It's just so hard to keep up with that, at least with movies. Even if there's four a year, that's like one every three months. And you can make it an event to go to the movie theater now that they're open. But if it's a show, you kind of just have to make time in your schedule to watch them, which isn't always possible. So then you're losing out on the franchise. It's interesting, too, with the movies being temple movies or event movies, where that's another fear that a lot of executives in Hollywood have, that no one's going to go out and see movies that don't have Marvel or DC attached to them. Or there's this fear that in order for a movie to be successful, it has to be a superhero movie. And that kind of ties into, I know that we both did a little research on how genres in the past have worked. I looked into Westerns and... In the 1950s, Hollywood as a whole produced more Westerns than every other genre combined. And that's because that's what the people wanted in the movies. Obviously, you wouldn't put millions and millions of dollars down to do this if it wasn't something that there was a demand for. But at the same time, if you get a Western movie every week for a year, you're, one, not going to make it to them all, and two, you're going to get sick of them because they're all the same formula. And eventually it has to peak and then wane. So you saw that with Westerns where they hit their peak in the 50s and 60s and then they kind of disappeared. So you have maybe one or two a year that see some level of success, but most of them kind of flop like The Lone Ranger with Johnny Depp or other examples that I can't think of right now because I don't like Westerns. I think it's interesting you bring up formulas because that's something that Marvel gets knocked for a lot. I feel like when people are like, I hate watching Marvel movies, it's usually they're all the same. And if you're watching 27 movies that are all the same, of course you're going to get bored. I still like them because I think there's enough different characters that the stories are different enough that I like them. But I think that could be, like you said, another reason that Westerns went out of style. Or the one that I looked into is movie musicals, Mm -hmm. which are obviously very formulaic. You have someone singing to the audience breaking out in song and dance in the middle of the street, and people don't like that. Formulas are a big reason that people get tired of things, not just when the market is saturated. It's interesting, though, that this year we've seen The Power of the Dog, and it did not win Best Picture, but it had a lot of hype for Best Picture. And that's a Western, obviously, but it was pretty successful, and people liked it because it rejected the formula of Westerns. And it played with the expectations that people had for it. And I think that that's what you see now with any Westerns that are going to be successful Westerns. Like, this might be a hot take, but I think that Rango, The Little Reptile. Oh, I love that movie. I think that that's like the best Western ever. It's so good because one, it's animated. Two, he's a reptile. And three, it's uh, it's oh, it's and such that's a Johnny good movie. Depp too, right? Yeah, that is. So he really he got his comeback. I don't know which one came first, Rango or the Lone Ranger, but I think Rango maybe. But he he's got his Western card. He Johnny Depp is fine. We don't need to we don't need to harp on Johnny Depp, but I do love him, so I wanted to acknowledge that he's okay. Yes, he's not Go at on. fault for <laughs> the Lone Ranger. With superhero movies, though, I know that you mentioned that people poke fun at Marvel for oh every movie is the same formula. But I feel like the genre as a whole, that's kind of its strongest thing, is that it's not 
superhero movies are defined by a character rather than a type of story. So you can have comedies like Deadpool that exist in the same like film noir as the Batman, which is a detective story. And then you do have like the big action ones, obviously, like Spider-Man. But as a genre, I feel like it's more flexible than Westerns specifically, although not necessarily musicals. I feel like... What do you mean? I feel like musicals can vary a little bit more than Westerns can. Well, I was going to say a lot of the reason musicals fell out of prominence is because musicals were really the flashpoint for the golden age of Hollywood. They were the key thing that made them because it was all about the starlets. You know, you had Judy Garland, Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, like all these people who were in every movie. And once you lose the vertical integration of Hollywood, not to get too technical with with Hollywood, you know, history, but once you lose that, so not everything is through MGM or Warner Brothers, you don't have these stars all the time, which is interesting with Marvel because we do. It's all the same characters. It's all the same people. And Maybe this is a stretch, but I feel like in the grand scheme of, we can even just say America, but even the world, movie musicals and westerns were a familiar thing. They had the same formula, and they were very popular after the Great Depression when everyone had gone through this horrible thing, horrible event, and now the world is kind of getting back into this groove in the 50s, and I feel like that's kind of what we've seen in this terrible age of history It feels like a familiar thing that people can go see every year, even while there's wars and economic recessions and COVID. That's really, really interesting, because if you look at the rise of superhero movies, they like technically started in the 90s with Tim Burton's Batman. Not not started, like obviously they existed before, but Tim Burton's Batman in the 90s and like a couple other standalone movies. And then you had the start of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man series at the turn of the century. And all of those were big, important movies in their own way. But it's interesting that you bring up post-depression because I would say that the biggest rise in superhero movies has been post-9-11. And they all do kind of carry that military aspect to them. Think about Iron Man 1. I mean, the man's out in, like, what, Iraq or something, like, in the beginning of the movie. So I think it does have these very American ties. Captain America. It's pretty obvious. Like, we have Captain America, Iron Man's in the war. I think you do make a good point of post-9-11 collective American unity through movies. And it's interesting, then, where does that end, then? Because if we're putting it in perspective that media just reflects the history that it's within... So Westerns and musicals were kind of like a response to the Great Depression. They kind of all came to an end around the Vietnam War era. I'm Mm -hmm. spitballing here because I don't actually like have numbers in front of me. But so if those all ended, then what will it take for the superhero genre to not be the dominant form of storytelling in Hollywood? That's a good point. I think you're right. It did kind of end around the Vietnam War. I feel like in like the late 60s when you know we had the civil rights movement and Vietnam and the American population at least a certain subsector of the American population was very cynical they don't want to see these things that the people in power are producing 
you know, we, we're still very divided in America. Don't get me wrong. But COVID, I feel like, was a collective experience where everyone just kind of, it was like a reset almost. Obviously, I'm not saying that there aren't still huge divides and, like, things that America is working through. But now that we've had this, like, sigh, I wonder if, I wonder if that'll bring more people to the theater or if people will be like, we're good. We don't need these feel-good movies or these familiar movies anymore. And it's interesting, too, because it all intersects with the streaming industry. We just saw Apple won the Oscar for Best Picture with Coda, which is a streaming movie. And there are just a lot of different forces at play right now that are going to impact Hollywood for decades and decades to come. But I feel like if there wasn't, if there was going to be that seismic shift and slowdown, I don't know how quickly it would happen is the thing. I would have said, yeah, COVID is probably a good opportunity for something to change or something to shift. But we haven't really seen that because all of the highest grossing movies of the past two years, with the exception of whatever Fast and Furious movie they're on now and No Time to Die, all of the highest grossing movies have been Marvel movies or The Batman. Which are still all franchise movies, which is interesting too, to look at how franchises, that's a different conversation, but they're all, you know, again, familiar, formulaic, belong in a franchise kind of movies. Anyway. I have, I have a theory and I think you might disagree with me, which is fine, but I have a theory on what I think is going to replace superhero movies eventually. I think that it's biopics because I think that we're seeing now more and more biopics being produced every year. Like if you look at just the big awards movies this year, you have The Eyes of Tammy Faye and Spencer and Tick, Tick, Boom, which is not a biopic in the traditional sense, but it is about this man's life. It's still a biopic, I would say. But then you also have King Richard, and then you have Belfast, which is also not directly a biopic, but it's an autobiographical film. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have Rocket Man, Bohemian Rhapsody, which are arguably musicals. I don't know. I was reading about it. I don't know if I would agree with that, but you have all those. But I, I see what you're saying about biopics taking over. And I was reading, a, it was like a list of the kind of movies that are most likely to win Oscars, and biopics was up there. By a mile. It's every single... Oh, it's so annoying. I really dislike it. But every acting category... Not every acting category. That's unfair because we saw last night that it was not across the board. But the Oscars really, really like people who perform roles of other people, which is frustrating. But it's interesting because I don't think that that's necessarily what consumers want. I feel like the box office would reflect that more. Spencer would have been more successful or King Richard would have been more successful. Well, because they're they're just picking seemingly random people. Before this year, did you want to know about Serena and Venus Williams' dad? I've never even heard of this man. I don't know if I want to know his whole life story. Well, and that's a, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> with I'm so glad that we finally have a documentary about their father and not them. Why didn't we just do a Venus Williams Mm -hmm. biopic? But that's another conversation. I don't know, though. I feel like that's the genre that I see growing the fastest in terms of the content that they put out. It just can't compete with people's attention. Like, sure, people watch them, 
but they don't seek them out in the same way. It's not an event like a Marvel movie is, and I wonder what it'll take to... What's the next event film that we're going to see that's not made by Marvel or DC or Sony with Spider-Man? I wonder... I think this is just me wishful thinking, but I wish we had more movies like Dune or, like, if we could bring back something like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, these big epic fantasy films. Like, I love fantasy. Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite movie franchises. And I feel like they're popular enough that any audience can watch them. I don't know how well Dune did at the box office, but I feel like it was something that anyone could go with their family in the same way that people could go see Marvel. I feel like that's me kind of projecting what I want to happen, but if I could have one genre take over, it would be these big-budget fantasy films. I mean, you know that I'm going to agree with you, because if I could only watch Dune for the rest of my life, I think that I would be okay with that. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that those are the big event films that aren't superhero movies. And Dune's box office was lukewarm but it was enough within covid to get the sequel i'm interested to see if it goes any farther than a sequel because if the second movie makes the same amount as the first movie post covid i don't think they'll do a third but it's interesting that we had all of those big series for i forgot about the ya genre you have harry potter and twilight and hunger games all at the same time yeah what happened to those who who took those away i've never seen twilight but hey don't Don't go knocking on Divergent. I know that people have strong opinions about Divergent. I love Divergent, okay? I feel like it's it's pretty universally accepted that Divergent is responsible for the downfall of YA. I feel like that's not a hot take at all. I feel like I'm personally offended by that, actually. (laughs) On the other hand, I've never seen Twilight, which is like a hot take. I know I need to watch them. But you're right. What happened to those? I feel like we, we went from those kind of YA movies to The Fault in Our Stars, The Hate You Give. Is that what it's called? Beats me. I don't watch those. <laughs> but I feel like we've turned to that genre. Mm-hmm. That like happened right after the YA of Harry Potter and Twilight went into like these romantic young adult movies. And now I don't know where we're at with those. Yeah. So everyone who was interested in the romantic elements of Hunger Games and Twilight has migrated to those movies, and everyone who's interested in the action has just migrated to superhero movies because they really are the everyman films. Ten-year-olds go see them, and 55-year-olds go see them. Well, and I think that's exactly it. That's why it's never going to die out, because everyone can go see it. Everyone can go see a PG-13 action movie that's not too scary for little kids, but it's action-packed enough for older people to go see it, and it has just the right amount of humor to kind of appease the teenagers and adults and it has the love and the romance that everyone can watch i feel like if anything that's the reason it's never going to die out everyone can go watch it but not everyone can go watch spencer or not everyone's going to be into like these indie movies that win the oscars right yeah so very broad question but if we project into 2032 what type of movies is hollywood going to be making and where do superhero movies factor into that so i told you i did you know research on the musicals i do think that musicals are facing a resurgence we've had you know la la land was almost won best picture didn't and in the heights we have lin-manuel miranda coming up with things um three 
non-animated movie musicals last year, mm-hmm. which I think is very much not par for the course over the past decade. So right. And they were like pretty well received. Mm-hmm. Well, what three are you talking about? Two of them were fairly well received. In the Heights, Tick, Tick, Boom, and Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we don't talk about we don't Bruno. talk about Bruno, but we also don't talk about Dear Evan Hansen. So I feel like there's been, like you said, there's been a lot of movie musicals, and I've specifically taken Disney musicals out of this, Encanto, or Frozen 2, or Moana. Those are a separate genre to me. They're either princess movies or just Disney animated movies. But these live-action musicals are coming back with, like I said, La La Land and The Greatest Showman, which are two that aren't remakes, biopics, or adaptations. They're originals. And they were well-received by the general population. I didn't like them, personally, but I feel like most people did. I liked La La Land. I did not like The Greatest Showman. But The Greatest Showman has one of the most interesting box offices of any movie in recent years because it had a really slow opening and it was a sleeper hit and you can't really be a sleeper hit anymore which is where you open small and grow over time but I think it had something crazy like an 11 it made it 11 times its opening weekend Wow! which standard this is way in the weeds but standard for Hollywood now is like 2.5 to 4 times your opening weekend so that's unheard of. Seems like something Encanto would have done. Seems like that kind of movie where it was slow at the beginning, but yeah. got really big. But like to to an even stronger degree. Yeah. I think movie musicals, although, you know, we're kind of arguing that musicals and westerns died out. I don't think westerns are going to come back in the same way that musicals are. Because musicals, like you said, are very elastic and able to change the genre. They don't have to be la la land and mimic the 1940s musical they can be a hip-hop musical they can be hamilton they can be an opera phantom of the opera they can be chicago you know like a sultry sexy movie so i feel like those are coming back but i do think in terms of theater releases and streaming that with disney plus and other streaming, but mostly Disney Plus, that Marvel is going to continue just hurtling towards this oversaturation of the market. And I don't know. I don't really have a prediction for whether people are going to get tired of it or I feel like a lot of us are too invested. We're not going to, we've seen 27 movies, 28 movies, and several TV shows. We're not just going to say, I don't care what happens to whoever, I don't care what happens to Spider Man. I don't care what happens to Wanda Maximoff. We're invested. We know these characters. We love these characters. And as long as they keep making these films and these TV shows, people are going to go and see them. I think I see them not ramping down at all, but I see the returns gradually becoming less in general. I think that people won't all of a sudden be like, I don't care anymore, but it'll be over time. People will lose a little bit of interest and it'll have to like reinvent itself a little bit in some way and that'll be hard because I feel like we've been stuck with Spider-Man for 22 years now and he's the biggest one of all everyone wants to see a Spider-Man movie so it's hard to argue that that'll go away anytime soon but will people still care about Doctor Strange in 2032 I'm not sure I feel like probably not I see the box office still being 
a superhero dominated thing 10 years from now, but maybe to a lesser extent, just because I also see the box office existing to a lesser extent in 10 years. I see streaming taking a bigger chunk gradually. And I think the saddest offshoot of that is with animated movies. I don't know if you've kept up with this at all, but the last three, or is it four? I think the last four Pixar movies have all just released exclusively streaming. And that, Which four? Um, Turning Red, Luca, Soul. Maybe it's just three. I don't even know. <laughs> oh, it, it is just three. And then Turning like, Red is interesting, though, since it came out just now and theaters are open and it could definitely go in theaters. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary trend to me because I love Pixar is very close to my heart. And I think that they had always been successful movies before the pandemic. So I don't know why Disney has decided to turn away from giving them theater slots and I think that it is kind of it does kind of tie back to their prioritizing putting out Marvel movies, but I hope that that trend changes in like five or ten years. I hope that we'll see more animated movies in theaters, and I think we'll probably see more international movies in theaters as time goes on, which will be really good. But... I hope that Disney isn't delving into this conspiracy theory that I'm just now forming in my head of killing the movie theaters by releasing their movies for younger audiences only on streaming. So that kids aren't really being taken to the movie theater. I will say to their credits, part of it is like it took longer for younger age groups to be approved to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't necessarily as safe for family movies in movie theaters. But at the same time, if I were a Disney executive and the only thing that I cared about was profit, or I guess if I only cared about profit in the short term, I would only release Marvel movies because they're the only surefire bets where you're going to make $100 million in a weekend and $300 million overall. And if you release a Pixar movie, some of them might make $150 million overall in the U.S. And then some of them will make $658 million because they're The Incredibles 2. Also a superhero movie, which is interesting. But I guess I see it still a superhero-dominated Hollywood but not quite as much. And I don't think that entertainment will be quite as Hollywood-dominated in general in the future. I agree with that with that statement. And I think that wraps up our, our conversation. Do you have any final thoughts? I'm interested to see what happens and where it goes. And I hope that, I hope that there is space for a lot of different types of stories in the future. I agree. I hope... For your sake that we're not hurtling towards a biopic only Hollywood and for my benefit I hope that it is is turning back toward Lord of the Rings Harry Potter-esque things although not The Hobbit. Everyone hated on The Hobbit. I kind of liked it but we don't need a repeat of that CGI. We're okay without The Hobbit. More Dune please and thank (laughs) you though. Denis Villeneuve should do every movie in the future. And on that note I am Sean. And I'm Maggie. And this has been Pop Culture Combos. This episode was produced and edited by Sean Scott, Maggie Pena, and Sarah Grace Hayes, with supervising production from our editor-in-chief, Cosette Gunter. Our theme music is by Sam Terribolini. Stay tuned and follow us on Spotify under the name Pop Culture Combos or on SoundCloud under The Miami Student. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.